0: This is episode number 14 with Fred Thomas. Welcome to the I Love Music podcast. My name is Jen Fedor. I started the I Love Music podcast to inspire people who love music, encourage people who work within the industry, and to hear each person's unique story. For this episode, I got to interview Fred Thomas, He just released his new album on Polyvinyl Records called Changer. Fred has been at it for years. He started out in the Ann Arbor, Ypsilanti noise scene in the early 90s and has been playing music ever since. He has been in so many bands and his new album is fantastic. Be sure to pick it up at polyvinylrecords.com. I'm so happy that I was able to catch Fred while he was on tour. All right, let's get into Fred's interview. Tell me a little bit about your new album.
1: Uh, new album came out about two or three weeks ago. It's called Changer. Uh, it's technically it, I've, been, I've made so many solo records. Yeah, I think it's technically my ninth one. But for all intents and purposes, it's just the second one because I made a record a few years ago that was the first time anybody had ever really heard of me, usually.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: and yeah, it's, uh, it's called Changer. It's yellow. It's got a big yellow cover. It's, it's, I lo- um, yeah, I love the artwork. <laughs> Thank you very much. I did that. Cool. And um, I'm, I'm very proud of the artwork. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and it's, uh, it was the first songs I recorded after moving from Michigan, where I grew up and spent a lot of my life to uh, Montreal about a year and a half, two years ago.
0: Cool, that's yeah. awesome. Um, what went into recording? What was, what was kind of your process?
1: Oh my God, the most convoluted, crazy, um, overbearing process one could imagine. <laughs> uh, a lot of it was recorded. Um, I, had a, I have a studio that I work out of in Ann Arbor and I did a lot of tracking there. And then we moved our entire life to Montreal and we lived in a very small apartment where I couldn't sing or you know, play yeah. guitar, let alone drums or anything that made a loud noise because the walls were very thin and people were, you know, I didn't want to be singing in English because people speak French and so I was self-conscious. So um, a lot of the record is highly electronic because I was working just on headphones on my computer. Oh, wow. On a lot of the stuff. So I, I was kind of learning how to use, um, you know, electronic music. Software programs and writing the more kind of like beats and sample oriented things, um, which I'd only ever kind of messed around with in the past. And then I took all that stuff and went to Athens, Georgia. Okay. Athens, Georgia, where I uh, I worked on my last record with my friend Drew Vandenberg.
0: Okay. And
1: we played live drums to the vocals, mixed everything, had a, a long week of kind of congealing this sloppy mess of stuff into the record that we all hear now.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. So from like an early age, when did you knew you wanted to be a musician? What was like your childhood and teenage years like to?
1: It it started really, really quickly. And it it wasn't the story, it wasn't the narrative that you hear sometimes where it's like, from the time I was very young, I knew I wanted to be a musician. And that was my only calling. I knew that it was not my calling because I was never particularly good at it. It wasn't something I had a passion for. Like, you know, I picked up a guitar when I was 10 and I couldn't really play a chord on it till I was 15. And a lot of people, they're like, oh, I picked up the guitar and I got through like the remedial. Lesson's like, no, I was bad for a long time. And I was bad at writing songs for a long time. I was bad at singing to this day. You know, I was bad at like all that stuff that people people are encouraged to be better musicians because they have talent and they're good at it. And I do feel like I have a talent, but it's not the same thing that a lot of people are driven by. Um, Mine is maybe more talent for uh, collage or for kind of like organization of sounds rather than something that would be like, well, I knew I just wanted to sing. I knew I wanted to be like the, the rock star. It's like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm awful at all of that stuff. I stand around and, I look, yeah. and look unfortunate on a stage. But um, I was driven by the idea that there was gonna be a sound that I was going for that um, I wanted to hear from a very young age. Yeah. I think from like age 12, um, started playing guitar, really loved metal and really kind of was like, how do they make it sound like, that's not how my guitar sounds, that's not how like, I I was fascinated with the idea of reverb, because I was like, how do they get from like a voice that everyone has to like, it sounds like that, it sounds like it's in space, and it sounds like there's lots of them, and um, so I was always very, very curious about how to get to the next step that somebody else was already at, Mm -hmm. or that this thing that really moved me, especially when I was very young and I was like, this is really cool, but it's not quite cool enough. Yeah, you know, so that was kind of was and continues to be my impetus for pushing forward with music.
0: Um, What were some of your influences?
1: Oh my goodness! Like um, everybody has their parents' records to thank, and um, I definitely grew up in uh, Rolling Stones household rather than a Beatles household. Cool. uh, That's awesome!
0: Oh my god! No, I
1: spent a long time uh, just being like Beatles, stupid, you know. Um, But more than that was uh, Bob Dylan. Uh, oh. Records. Bob Dylan was the first show I saw when I was 10.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and alongside, like I said, I really loved hair metal. And that kind of led me to liking punk when I was a little bit older. And then that was, it was just all downhill. Um, but I had an interesting experience where, like, you know, my high school, teenage years spent kind of being into like Jane's Addiction and, mm-hmm. you know, Smashing Pumpkins and Nirvana and all the stuff that was happening when I was a teen in the 90s. And then, um, as I got like out more towards the college age, I liked all that stuff and I liked the crazier punk, but I also got more into like just I had lots of friends who were in the noise scene, so I was mm-hmm. listening to more experimental stuff and I had a friend who was really deep into intelligent like techno stuff, like Aphex Twin, Square Pusher, so I, I loved all of that. And I had a, like a roommate who loved free jazz, so I was listening to a ton of that. Cool. And I was again trying to like pick the things I liked out of all these and just basically like exist as a mixtape, more or less, you know. <laughs>
0: nice. Uh, what was your very first
1: band that... Oh my god. I had a band called Dead Cops when I was 10. Okay. And far too precocious to be having that as a band name.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah.
1: And um, my early, like, my childhood of being in, in bands uh, uh-huh. was just to be so persistently annoying with my friends, to kind of like assemble my friends together and be like, no, you're the drummer and I'm the guitar player and we're going to change your name because your name's like long and weird and I, your new name is this and that's your stage name yeah and you know they're just kids like really quite frankly like babies and nobody could play and it wasn't fun for them but it was so much fun for me and i was kind of like coercing my my little tiny playmate friends into pretend being in a band with me but i took it really seriously and <laughs> right. would make little tapes to make flyers and just yeah. you know distribute them to nothing and just like right. you know, um, but my first band that actually did anything uh, like made a made a seven-inch or played shows in front of people was called chore okay. And that's when I was in high school um, in the in early and mid 90s And we actually you know by the time I was 17 we were playing shows by the time I was 18 We went on like a, a national tour. Yeah, um, all the things that people do when they're young and and mm-hmm. spirited
0: <laughs> that's, that's great. Yeah, I was first introduced to you uh, during like Saturday looks good to me. Yes. Yeah, I yeah. remember always going to the DAC in played, Grand Rapids. I, I loved, loved
1: playing Grand Rapids and um, actually played the DAC, they reopened and yeah, 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 yeah. The, the DAC is a, a treasure.
0: Yes, yes. Um, for those that don't know, the DAC is, well, it's like a community art space. It's
1: technically like, the Division Arts Cooperative, Cooperative, collective, or something, yes. something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's like a DIY show space run by a collective of um, Grand Rapids artists and thinkers and musicians, and uh, always all ages. Always, you know, substance-free, as far yeah. as I remember. Really early shows, not yeah. that many late shows. Um, really, really good vibes, and that's where like kind of like the K Records crew would come through, or yes, lots yeah. of hardcore bands too.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Anybody that had something to say that it couldn't really get said in a more traditional bar show space atmosphere. Yeah, Found a home there.
0: Uh, what was the evolution of for Saturday looks good to me. Like how, how did that, how did that come about?
1: Well, um, it's interesting cause it was another reactionary thing. I, I was in a punk band called lovesick okay. and um, that existed around the same time and we were in a circle of just like emo and punk and playing these kind of like aggressive shows. And I, um, I really loved some of the politics of our band and um, some of the other bands we played with, but the music didn't always do it for me. Like I was confused by these like yelly, like mostly mostly male, kind of like angsty things. Like I was like, "That's great that we're all vegan and that's great that we all like um, are anti-capitalism and like kind of like going for like equality and like the end of you know different types of oppression." But this isn't fun. There's like the music doesn't move me to feel happy it feels kind of oppressive in its own way. And so I would, you know, go and play these shows and go home and listen to like Motown and early 80s funk was like my kind of like big jam, like Prince and Curtis Blow and and just stuff like that. And um, I was like, what if I made a band that sounded like Motown and had like the spirit of just like these good vibes, melodic, happy, but the lyrics were kind of like, you know, about like blowing up Starbucks or like about like how, you know, people shouldn't date because like heteronormativity is kind of like yeah, a, you know, yeah, yeah. A, a scourge. <laughs> so that was the original idea was to just like have a band. It's almost like a joke band where it's like, I want to ha- make like really happy music with these kind of like darker, right, like, the, yeah. the, the, you know, like the foil would be the lyrics. So that was our first record. And I just did it, you know, I would make songs in my four track and have friends sing them and have people plan it. And it was never really supposed to be a thing. Um, but it just kind of like went from there and, oh, like people are kind of paying attention. Let's make another record. Mm-hmm. Oh, like we got asked to go on a tour. I guess we should put a band together because we can't say no to like this nice, you know, like exposure for something. And, right. oh, all of a sudden, you know, we're touring, uh, you know, six to seven months of the year. And we're making records that sound, it, you can't recreate them outside of the studio, but we're trying to do that live. And it kind of did become like what I did for a good Seven eight year period. Yeah, most yeah. of my twenties actually was like taken up by thinking about myself in relation to that band. Yeah. It's it's really interesting.
0: Yeah, um, where where do a lot of your songs come from? Um, what what's like the writing process? Because I feel like you tell a lot of stories yeah. in each in each each song you write. That's a
1: that's a newer thing. I definitely feel like um, at a certain point uh, that kind of took over, whereas like. Um, earlier on I would just kind of be excited about a musical idea and the lyrics would be an afterthought or they'd be like, okay, we can just have, I'll make something up that sounds, you know, vaguely sad or vaguely yeah. like, maybe this could be about a relationship or something, who knows. Yeah. Some sort of like airy poetic thing and they weren't all like that, but they're, they're I will cop that, you know, some of my songs were not really about that much,
2: you yeah. know, um,
1: but in, yeah. the past, in the past few years, especially on the last two records I've made, I just, for whatever reason, I kind of felt like there's a lot more going on, I'm experiencing things, I'm still making music, and a lot of my friends have gone down different paths, or they're not yeah. focusing as much on that, or, you know, it's not something a lot of people do after the start of their 30s, or it changes, or right. th- things take priority. And I wanted to reflect on that, and I wanted to actually, I don't want to continue just kind of making the same thing over and over again, and I wanted to talk about that, too. Right. So there, there are... To answer your question, the process is kind of about taking all sorts of things I might have had a chance to say better when I was younger but didn't have the language for or things I'm going through right now Mm -hmm. and just kind of like pushing it all into a song and maybe like editing it into a a form that's digestible, which doesn't always happen. Sometimes uh, it gives the listener indigestion. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Since you've, you've toured so much, do you have any fun or memorable moments like from the road or any tours that like just stick out?
1: Oh my goodness, that, that's all I have. That's yeah. all I have. Like, I definitely, yeah. um, I, I've been touring since, like I said, like uh, that first long tour I did was in 1996. So that would mean um, a little bit over 20 years of traveling around. And they've kind of almost all been at the same level. It, yeah. which is to say like the show that we played here last night was a really, really, There were maybe like 150 people there. That's, um, that's pretty much my peak right there. That's about as good as it gets for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, so many memorable tours, just in that I've made so many friends, uh, in doing this cause the way that I'm touring is not about, we're going to like be on a big bus and like, right. you know, hit the stage. It's like, no, like I, I get there and kind of like hang out and see the neighborhood. And I talk to the people who are working on the show and probably stay at their house and meet their crew of friends and play with bands that are like doing stuff around here. So like, rather than like a, you know, a bunch of stories about this crazy thing that happened or, yeah, yeah. or I mean, there are plenty of those that, um, you know, I probably anybody who has been on tour as a musician, like on any level for a while can probably write a book about this crazy sleeping situation that seems sketchy as hell or yeah. this one amazing yeah. transcendent like moment when they like kind of happened upon something in when they weren't expecting it. And I have some of those, but um, the thing that only really resonates is that anywhere I go in the United States and in other parts of the world, if I'm in a jam, I probably have a friend somewhere within like, you know, a hundred miles, which is- That's huge. It's, it's like a great reason to be alive. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, For bands that like want to start touring regularly uh, what do you what do you what do you recommend for them for up like you know
1: it's it's a really hard question because it it keeps changing you know when I was um when I started touring there was a book uh, it's like a magazine style like zine uh, called book your own fucking life. Do you remember that? Yeah Yeah, yeah and it's yeah. like kind of like the the, the yellow pages are like the DIY guide of like okay Well, if you're need a show in Florida call this guy or if you need to like uh, You know, there's a free food place here You can talk to this person who can like access that it's kind of more for punks who were scrounging and trying to like travel but maybe play shows too and the internet all but became that to like the 50th degree and and now touring is a lot different because music has been kind of like devalued mm-hmm. in some ways and like, yeah. like hypervalued in other ways. And what I remember most, uh, which is different now, so if you're starting out now as a band, there's a show every night in every city. There's probably five shows every night. And the, bigger right. si- the bigger the city yeah. is, the more options there are. So it's kind of not like it was when I was younger where there'd be a show maybe once a month that everybody went to. Now, you know, it's like, oh, of course, like, of course you're in a band, of course you're doing a show, of course you want to tour because you, of course you made a record. And um, so it's it's a little bit less real estate as far as um, getting out there and getting around. But if you are trying to tour and you want to start out, my first advice to you would be to really actually believe in the thing that you're making, like, uh, like an awful lot. You know, like, like being in a band to be in a band is great, but that's that's a huge percentage of people who are playing music, and, and people who are listening to music can feel that. You can't really hide your intentions if you're just like, well, I, th- I thought it'd be cool to be a drummer. I thought it'd be cool to like, do something like, you can you can do that, but maybe, uh, maybe think about it more if you want to make it your only thing, you know? Uh, yeah. And that's not a judgmental thing. That's not me saying that I've done that, and other people haven't, I'm just saying that if you're gonna like actually commit to a very uncomfortable, very non lucrative way of life, like <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. it'd be
1: it'd be really helpful to um to really consider what you're what you're trying to say and, and keep working on it and and um and then just do it. Just totally do mm-hmm. it. Just like play play whatever if it's if it's lower than your expectations, that means you're doing something right. If right. you if you're like bizarrely like confounded by how broke you are at the end of a tour, that means that you're experiencing it in a real way. If you're surprised by how good it went, all the better. Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Yeah.
0: Uh, last night I was talking uh, to one of your friends, um, B, mm-hmm. and uh, we were talking about um, touring pre-GPS days. Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah. Just like...
1: Being scared and lost for like most of your time. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. And then like, call calling like your agent or manager and be, and then being you missed a show last night Yeah, because like GPS was like non exist. Yeah. And like just cell phone was just, yeah. Uh,
1: roadmaps that, mm-hmm. you know, maybe were like a little bit outdated or if like there, if yeah. there's construction of any type, you might not get to your show. <laughs> it might just be a thing that didn't happen.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> Lots of pay phone calls in those early days. Yes. Lots of, I also remember like the early days of cell phones, where it'd be like, Oh, we can just call the promoter and then getting home it, it, like remember like early cell phones, why is my phone bill eight hundred dollars? 'Cause like <laughs> we toured through Canada and like talked for like twelve minutes and that cost so much <laughs> oh money. Oh my
0: gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I when I remember moving when I moved to LA for the um for the very first time and using the Thomas Guide, just to get around. Oh wow! Um, which was like this book of like all the neighborhoods and like have like the pharmacies listed out and like all the non non like tourist.
1: Right, the, the true resources <laughs> for yeah. The neighborhood Yeah, yeah.
0: So that's how I how I first learned LA, which I'm kind of glad. I kind of I had that experience. Yeah, just definitely using yeah using the maps. <laughs> sure. No, it's it's
1: huge to know where you're going in a way that isn't just, you know, yeah. what everybody wants you to buy, mm-hmm. you know? You can yep. go anywhere in America and there's gonna be like a Shell station and a Walgreens and if those are your landmarks, it's kind of a bummer.
0: <laughs> yeah, how did, you, how did you get connected to Polyvinyl? How, how did that relationship?
1: You know, we've been working together for a long time. Um, yeah. And they, uh, I toured with one of the bands Rainer Maria Okay. Um, in two thousand and three, and Rain and Maria was kind of like they're still together actually they just they just reunited but um, oh cool really great kind of like angular emo like dual vocals like kind of beautiful pop band and we had like the very very start of Saturday that's gonna be like super just like soul Motown kind of like review and they were like this is amazing this is like the greatest and um, another friend of ours uh, my friend Tony from the band Aloha was also on Polyvinyl
0: okay yeah yeah,
1: yeah. and um, so they. Polyvinyl was getting a few different like heads up like got to check out this band they're really good it's like this weird kid Fred who does punk bands but this is his like new thing and um they came out to a show we did in Chicago and we've been working together ever since they put out like our second record and um really have been a amazingly loyal exciting company they they really grew after like right around the time we started working together yeah uh, a couple of years after of Montreal I started working with them and then of Montreal had a huge breakthrough um with their hissing fauna record.
0: Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, now. it was
1: a great record. And yeah. um almost just about ten years old now.
0: Whoa. Yeah, yeah, definitely, <laughs> oh right? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um and so we kinda like got in around the same time that the label was starting to to bud mm-hmm. and blossom and, and uh they've just been really, really friendly. I've never uh been a successful artist of theirs in terms of you know record sales people like using my songs and commercials making them money I think I I think I lose the money more than anything but they're so true to their family that they're always just like you got another record we love it let's put it out yeah you're 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 a boy you know whatever you they're just happy that I'm doing my thing yeah um, that's, that's great that's amazing and I've worked with a bunch of labels and I'm happy to say that I've never had a problem with any label I've worked with, and I actually love them all in in ways that are like it's a really amazing relationship to work with someone where they're bolstering your art and you're working hand in hand bolstering theirs. Um, but Polyvinyl is among the more like um, organized and um, excitable, and uh, I'm really grateful to them.
0: Yeah, yeah, they yeah they just seem to support you very well oh, in yeah. your art artistic careers. Yeah,
1: and they're also, I mean, they're they're friends. Like, I've known some of them, I've I've kind of watched some of them, they started working at the label when they are in college, and now they have, like, families and are, you know, grown-ups, and we still get together and have dinner and talk about the kids and
0: stuff like that. Yeah. It's it's cute. (laughs) That's so great. Do you have uh, any encouraging um, words to people, to other musicians, or people working within the music industry?
1: Yeah, it's uh, music is, you're doing the work that you're supposed to be doing. This is, you know, there's, there's lots of frustrations working yeah. in music, and there's lots of uh, strange kind of like um, ingrained comparison and competition, and it's very easy um, to feel like you're not doing enough or it's not landing the way you want it to. I recently uh, did this tweet. I have really long hair, and I did this tweet. It's like, having really long hair is like, having a music career. It's never quite where you want it to be. You <laughs> always think like, oh, my hair looks bad and could be longer. It's like, oh, should I cut it all off? And like the same thing. It's like, oh, my record did okay, but man, like my homie's record did way better. Like they got yeah. more more SoundCloud listens or whatever. Right, you know, right. I, I'm just gonna, st- like this is my last record. I'm just gonna like start doing something else or I hate my management. And that's, uh, those are all real things that happen, but it's, uh, it's unnecessary frustration, and you have to do it. You, you, you. If you've come so far that you're actually like, it got past like the bedroom stage, or it got past the stage of like playing in front of people, and you still want to do it, knowing full well that you are like going to hemorrhage money, or have a hard time like keeping friendships or romantic relationships going, or you know mm-hmm. you you might be uncomfortable in a way. You have already passed the test with Flying colors, and you just got to keep going because it's, uh, it's, it's very important.
0: Um, what have been some of your challenges along the way?
1: Um, my challenges is, is that I am always at least 10, sometimes 20 years older than anybody in the room. It's hard to communicate sometimes with people who were being born when I was starting to tour. Yeah, um, and yeah. not because they're doing anything wrong, it's because like I didn't have any friends who were 40 when I was 20, not really, you know, like and yeah. I, I wasn't like really. Uh, you know, like a, I certainly wasn't in bands with anybody um, twice my age when I was younger. And so I think that's maybe like also something that's a little bit more acceptable now. I feel like people are a little bit more um, mm, like gelling with each other across different lines that were maybe a little bit more rigid yeah. when, when we were growing up. And that's great, but it is a challenge too to feel a little bit alienated from communication at times or just kind of feel lost or be like a lot more tired than anybody else there. <laughs> yes. Um, you yeah. know, I, I don't use any like drugs. I never have. So yeah. that's all also like a part of like the rock and roll world that people are like, Oh, you want to do bump? And I'm like, absolutely not. But thank you. I'm not trying to be an asshole. I just, uh, that's, that's not for me and right. it never has been. And, um, and that will keep you on a different side of a line at a show than maybe like Uh, some other people, you know, like, um, but those aren't really, like, I mean, the biggest challenges are that it's, it keeps you away from the people that you care about. I'm married. And and right now I miss my wife very, very much. And, and sometimes we'll be on the phone and my reception will go out at the worst possible moment. And uh, that's frustrating for her. It gets you to the point where it's like, okay, like, why are we even talking or, you know, talking about your day? And it's like, what'd you do today? It's like, well, I sat in a van for 13 hours. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Felt like I was going to puke for part of it. Then I like drank some fizzy water, felt a little bit better. And then got to the show, got yelled at for being four hours late. uh, Played and it was good, but then felt weird again. (laughs) You know, it's, and oh, that's that's how I'm going to feel tomorrow too. So, you know, if you want to call me, you can, but it's basically just going to be like.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's just, yeah, just the repeat. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I have friends who have been, you know, playing on a, a lot more successful level where that's, kind of been like the repeat has happened for them for years and they kind of are watching their time blur and, right. and I, I see it blurring for them and it's like oh make sure you do what you're thinking about before you can't do it anymore you know right which maybe at a certain point was like go for that music career do it go and and now it might be like maybe get away from the music career or like do something mm-hmm. just to, to finding balance is yeah a few, that's what I'm trying to say with four billion words <laughs> finding balance can be a challenge sometimes
0: yes definitely how have you seen the music industry change over the years?
1: It's, it's like grown and shrank in weird, weird ways. You know, if you had told me that I'd be selling LPs for $20 a piece, um, and that's all I'd be selling and I'd sell, you know, 20 to 40 of them every night that just sounds crazy. You yeah. know what I mean like yeah yeah I, I was talking to someone recently about like oh yeah like we used to go on tour and we'd order a boxes of cd we'd order 400 CDs and we'd have to order more in the middle of the tour because we'd sell compact discs every night and people had money to burn and and so like the way that music is listened to and distributed is the main thing because i if i sell 5 CDs on a month long tour now that's that's pretty big. Yeah you know? yeah and um and and a lot of people are like, love your record. I remember first, like, in Sweden in uh, 2011 or 2010, I was playing this tour and everybody kept on being like, love the record. I was like, the record's here for sale. like, And they're like, oh, no, Spotify. It was it was over in Europe first oh, oh. before it was here in the States.
0: Oh, I guess I didn't realize that. Yeah, it
1: started, like, wow. they started having it. Like, I remember, like, when I went through Sweden, all my friends who lived there were like, oh, my God, you don't even know. Do you want to listen to Green Day? Here it is. Do you want to listen to... You know yeah. anything at all, and it was you know so much smaller, a good you know six years ago, but it was still a thing where everyone had already heard my record, you know we bought it at all, they were giddy with not being with not needing to buy it right and um and it was the type of thing where was like, well, you know before you would go on tour and you'd take smaller um fees, like you'd get a smaller guarantee because you knew you would able to sell a lot of records and shirts and that would be maybe in some cases as much as the guarantee and on that trip i was like oh i i have lost a lot of money because i you know drug dragged all these um heavy lps and cds and tapes over to europe and sold just a fraction of them and uh so that was a eye-opening moment for sure in how and kind of like showed where things would trend to in the next coming years
0: Wow, that's, that's, that's so interesting seeing that there before it, yeah. It was a a
1: literal test market for both sides of the the, the coin. (laughs) Um, And like I said earlier too, seeing like just the sheer um, volume of people making great music. You know, when when I said that thing earlier, I was like, think about if you really want to say it. I say that because so many bands are amazing and so many bands are so, so, so good and and some of them are getting a lot of attention. Some of them are not. Yeah. There's, there's only so much space for all the good bands, and some amazing, great bands are gonna just not get their day,
0: right?
1: And um, or their day will be a lot smaller than it should be, or they won't get like the attention they deserve because there's just not enough attention. Yeah,
0: yeah. So the it's market wild. is so expansive now with all so many different bands and so many yeah and another, venues. Another
1: thing I've noticed too is people are Better earlier. People are. Um, have you heard Jay Som, J A Y S O M?
0: Uh, no, I don't think no.
1: A lady from San Francisco. I think she's twenty-two, maybe twenty-one. Mm-hmm. Genius, amazing. Gonna be, you know, like a huge success because her stuff's great. She's made a few records already. I remember being twenty-two and just being like, I don't know, I go get a, right. a pizza or something. I, I, did, I wasn't doing anything. Yeah. Uh, let alone like putting out records and touring and being. Graded it, you know, I was, yeah. out, I was putting out bummer records that weren't that good. And, right. you know, but um, You see that a lot more you see people who are kind of like 15 steps ahead of the game and I, I Don't know what if that's good or bad or neutral, mm-hmm. but that's an interesting change too.
0: Yeah, definitely So I asked this to all my guests. Yeah um, Why do you love music?
1: Oh, I love music <laughs> I Get it. Yeah um, I, I love music that's a great question that, I guess, I haven't thought of exactly in, in that blunt of a term. You know? yeah. It's like being like, why do you love food? Right. It's like, well, it's great. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. And I guess, like, to to answer it properly, I'd have to say that music is, is limitless and um, and small at the same time.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: there's not a lot of things that are actually so compact and so boundless. Um, and can always be either or both whenever you want them to. Um, for me, it's like, you know, life is a long string of things feeling great or bad or somewhere in between, and the steps towards feeling good are always involving music. You know, if something's kind of messed up, like it's like, oh, I probably haven't actually like listened to the song that I need to listen to for a few days, and maybe I'll just like do that, or you know, if I go through something like really really hard at my impulse is always to just kind of like go within and start playing and kind of like jamming and kind of like it's sort of therapeutic in a way that nothing else has really ever been for me and the way a lot of people get a lot out of their jobs or they get a lot out of you know their relationship with you know their loved ones their family I have a lot of that too but I at certain points in my life have been really really kind of just like in a like single path relationship with my music that feels like um, feels like a place I would always feel good in. So it's, it's a place you always feel good.
0: That's great. Um, for, for those um, that don't know your music, where can they find you? Um, yeah.
1: I guess, yeah, I have um, the easiest kind of thing to do would just be a uh, Fred Thomas music at Bandcamp. And that's got all my solo stuff which is, you know, that's a great, that's, there's a lot up there. It's a good place to start. I had yeah. a lot of different bands. Um, FredThomasMusic.com has not quite exactly like a, a, a catch-all, but like sometimes they'll be like, oh, here's like something from a band I used to be in, or I'm in a few different bands right now. Um, but if you just want to start at the band camp for Fred Thomas Music, it's got my last few records, and you can kind of see if you like it or not.
0: Great. Um, and then where is your tour taking you? Um, we're gonna go a
1: little bit further south in California and then we're gonna start heading over through the Southwest. Okay. And um, so we're playing you know, San Diego, Tucson. We're gonna play El Paso, Texas, Austin, Houston, New Orleans, um, Atlanta, Athens. And then in March, I'm gonna be opening up for a band called The World is a Beautiful Place and I'm No Longer Afraid to Die. They're great. Uh, cool. long, long band name, but really, really good. And we're going to be playing uh, Toronto, Chicago, Detroit. Um, I'll be playing a few shows in New York and, and Philly. So I'll be, I'll be all around for the next um, next few weeks.
0: Cool. That's awesome. Well, thank you for creating music and thank you for being on the show. Yeah,
1: thank you so much for having me. This has been so much fun.
0: This has been the I Love Music podcast with Jen Fedor. Thanks to the bang-ups for the theme music. Thanks again to Fred Thomas for being on the show. Be sure to check out fredthomasmusic.com to see where he will be touring next. I leave you with one of his new songs called Brick Wall.
2: Six-pack, 30-rack, brick wall, I'm gonna drink them all. I hate myself in a way,
0: I hate myself every day.
2: Black fights, blue and white, red stripe. The animals are right, there's gotta be another way. There's gotta be a better way. But you don't really talk to him now. He's just a costume that you once wore. You don't really talk to him now. Don't think about him till you're falling on the floor. And you're crawling on the floor now. You don't really talk anymore. Don't really talk anymore. Spend your time looking at books about New York from the 1990s But you know it's not the same anymore It's not the same anymore And all your friends, every single one of them, they're unavailable They're obsessed with taking pictures of their children They got one foot out the door They were born with one foot out the door And you don't really talk to them now You're like a postcard that they can hang You don't really talk to them now, unless they call you to lethargically complain, to make fun of the old gang. No, you don't really talk anymore, don't really talk anymore. You don't really talk anymore, don't really talk anymore. You told me I was like a child, that's too smart for the lesson, but still didn't learn anything You were my boyfriend then Six pack, 30 rack, when are you gonna come back? Come back and be my boyfriend again 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 Come back and be my boyfriend again